Hello and welcome to episode two of what in the last episode Reese called the Big Red Arrow Round Table. But I'm going to call the Big Red Round Table or maybe just Red Table. Someone should Google that in case it's a cult or a secret government department. As we go forward, there'll be two types of Red Round Table discussions. Last week, the group discussed a single important topic, something with a bit of meat on the bone that required a whole episode by itself. This week we'll be choosing from a list of topics that the group members suggested, but to avoid cherry picking all the good stuff in the first week, we'll select these topics at random using the power of maths. That's enough talk, let's get on with the talk. YouTube pushing tiny channels. This is a, a recent development um, that I've noticed and a few other people have uh, commented on. Um, uh, there, there was a time over a the last couple of years where it felt like YouTube was moving away from smaller channels and not pushing us in any way, shape or form. How does everybody, well, we've got a few big ones in here. So um, I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to ask Timberwolf first. What do you, um, how do you feel about this? And have you seen any uptick in recent months? It's an interesting one <clears throat> for me, actually, uh, which is, and someone else mentioned this, uh, this, Thing, and this goes back a long time for me. When you're approaching that monetization threshold at 1K, there seems to be a thing that every time you get, you get a video and it just really just goes and it takes you to that threshold. And that certainly happened to me. And I had a video which is about old Sierra adventures and things. And I was like looking at the things which came before it and the things which came after it. And there's nothing about that which makes sense as to why that suddenly took off. But the only thing that I could think is I was very close to that 1K and YouTube just went, hey, we're going we're gonna to give you, we're going to like throw you a bone. We're going to give you this thing which takes you to uh, partner. So I think in terms of that, like, what is YouTube doing? So, and I think YouTube are very aware that they need the next generation, which is you get, <clears throat> and I'm going to take this, completely outside of retro computing and talk about uh, car automotive channels. So there's a thing with automotive channels, which you quite often get, which is people start out, they review what is local to them. So you'll get these little channels and in the US they'll review kind of, you know, old sort of mid eighties Buicks and Chevrolets and things. And you'd be like, that's really interesting. That's like a parallel universe that I never expected from the UK. And then in the UK you'll get, you know, people sort of have old fiestas and things and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and then they start getting access to fancier stuff and you get to this point where they eventually become big channels you're like oh you're just reviewing like ferraris and mclarens and things that i've kind of lost interest now i liked the weird stuff mm. and i think youtube has this awareness that channels get big and they get mainstream but you've got an audience below that who don't want mainstream who want kind of weird and unusual and I think they're very, they've become very aware of, well, where is this going to come from? You know, where's my next generation of weird and unusual and strange and sort of a bit esoteric going to come from? On my screen and... is right next to you. It's what house norkers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's, it's going to come from people dressing up as their favorite uh, characters from their games. That, that's that's where Metro is going. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think they have this sort of thing of, well, we've got to, in the feed, and I, I always see this as YouTube's problem 
is it gives you a feed on your mobile or your desktop, or whatever. But ultimately, it's going to give you six videos. And its aim is to say, I want you to click on one of those six. So, and if you think about, you've got six boxes into which you can put things. YouTube is kind of, it makes sense for them to go, here's a safe bit. Here's like, mm. a, you know, your, your Tom Scott, or your Techmoan or your things like that, which are creators who are very, very well tried. You know, they're going to do good stuff. They know that you're going to attract stuff. You've then got your kind of mid-level. This is something that this person clicked on a little while ago. So maybe we'll try to get them back into that. And then you've got those others. And then you've got this one box where you go, we could just try something completely random. You know, we can give this person a video, as happens for me sometimes, from a channel with a, like 10 subs that's got 100 views and see whether this is going to take off. And I think they've pushed a lot more recently that kind of thing of saying, we're going to take a risk. We're going to, one out of those six boxes, we're going to just show you something that's completely, uh, even YouTube, even with, like this amazing amount of stats that we collect. We don't know how this is going to work. So we're just going to show it to you and see what happens. Hmm. Interesting. Right. So I'm going to throw this out to anybody else now. Um, would somebody like to weigh in? Okay, Matt? Yeah. So so two things. The, the first is for sure that um, YouTube, you, you can see it over time, trying different things with a video that you've had out for a while. And you can see that it's trying different audiences. Um, so at any given time, it could be the videos flatlining for a while, then suddenly three or four weeks afterwards, suddenly there's a spike as it presents it to different people. So it, it does go back and, and try to present old videos to, to new, new audiences to see if there's a fit, you know, to, to try and match it to profiles. It definitely does that. I, I have a theory though, and this is part two and it's a little cynical. So, uh, I apologize in advance, but YouTube, uh, I'm sure they have um, a lot of like psychological studies on how um, to keep and retain the people that create content and keep them in business. And one way they do that is if, if you've been around long enough, it, uh, my channel's three and a half years old now. Um, if you go back, you can see every 12 months, every nine months, there's there's a video that takes off, like you said, for no particular reason. Um, it wasn't maybe your best video or your best production quality or a topic you thought would do well, but it did 10 times better than you thought it would. And and you can't explain it. My theory, and, and this is, again, me being cynical, is that YouTube rewards people every so often, regardless of the quality of your video, just to keep you making content, mm -hmm. just to keep your spirits up, just to make sure that you are still engaged and happy. You might have a, a flat line for a while and you're starting to get a little bit, um, you know, dejected and then suddenly you get a, a video that takes off and and you know oh you're happy again let's keep making content i'm not losing my not losing my touch so that's my cynical thought there but um right okay um snorkers uh you uh, how how are things going for you are you seeing any uptick in um random videos or in general yeah i'm seeing a lot of people or not, i would say a lot of people from my channel that's four people um Looking at random old videos of mine, it's oh, people. Some people are watching that from three or four years ago, and it's old stuff. It's perfectly, it's all right. But I was, you know, I started at learning stuff. It's very much so. My old stuff is you won't find it unless you're looking for it or you're browsing my channel. So somebody's pushing it somewhere, at least in a trickle, which is fair enough. Because some stuff you're going to find. Yeah, I want to find about this particular video, this particular game, and only this game. Yeah, you might find my channel. Otherwise, you're not going to find it browsing because 
you don't fit it's, into it's any all... of the in the categories very well. Yeah, it's, it's it's niche within a niche. Uh, to start off with, my first video on Island of Secrets, I had to search for it over multiple pages because it had to go through page after page of Mako Mermaids, which is some kind of show about mermaids or something, who had an episode called Island of Secrets or something, but not them. Well, no, where's me? Oh, here I am. <laughs> yes, I think there is a little bit of stuff trickling on now and again. Okay. Obviously, it's, well... it's, it's a slow process. Um, right, I'm going to move on to Jim. Uh, tricks to Jim first. Um, I'm not totally sure I have a, a qualified, formulated opinion on this. This is really a dis- a a, a, um, a question of discoverability, right? Um, mm. So, so what are the ways people discover videos? They uh, look at other videos uh, from a channel they're already subscribed to. They uh, search for things either on Google that brings them there or within YouTube itself. And then finally, there's random discovery, which is what we call the algorithm. What does the algorithm push? And um, I I don't have a quick answer as to why some smaller channel, why there, there's an appearance that they're pushing possibly smaller channels. I know that from the Creator Insider channel from a couple of months ago, they did mention something that they were going to be tweaking the algorithm to do just that, to try to give more smaller creators more of a featured presence so that the uh not the top trending but like you know so that they'd be trying to introduce you know new people the the way the algorithm typically recommends stuff is that it tries to recommend to your audience what they already uh enjoy and that makes it very difficult sort of to be a youtuber because you can't predict everything your audience likes you have a good idea if they're into vintage computing they're probably going to be into other vintage computing stuff but you know they're out there might be into other things like humor and 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 so and so on um i guess i'm going to conclude with a non-answer by saying i think it's too nebulous to actually guess um i don't want to think i mean i'd i'd love to adopt matt's idea that they 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 throw a bone to smaller creators to not have them be discouraged and you know, click off the platform. But um, uh, honestly, I, I don't know. And that's the frustrating part of making content is that, you know, the, the problem with the recommendation algorithm is that it's just a giant uh, Gordian knot of heuristics. And even the people who created it don't necessarily always know how it works. So I don't think they know at all how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, but right. And so I I think that as a small creator, the best thing you can do is to simply follow the same advice that the larger, that mm. made the larger tuber, you know, lar- larger channel successful, which is, um, you know, engaging thumbnails, don't mislead your audience, and all of the other best practices that, that we've done. I think at one point we may have to, this is probably a discussion for another day, but at one point we may have to acknowledge that our subject material and our audience has a finite size. So there might be a maximum to where our videos and our channels can grow to. But like I said, that's probably a discussion for another day. Maybe we'll add that to the list. Uh, We'll go to the other Jim now. Jim, um, now you don't release very much at all (laughs) with the best will in the world. Um, But uh, in your sample size, have you seen any uptick at all recently? Any uh, random views piling up? I just checked a moment ago. I'm averaging on 28 days, 11 hours viewed, which for some of you big big fish, shall we say, is 
nothing. Um, to me, that's that's my bang average, which is strange considering I don't think I've put a video out for nine months. I don't think. Um, I'm always always advertising other people's stuff and other bits I've been working on, all the rest of it. But I think it's a few different integers for me. Is that it's it's absolutely people finding that one video, which for me is um, the the greatest PS2 game you've never heard of, sort of mystery sort of question, which that's by far um, the biggest running thing that I've, I've co- concurrently got going on. From there, if you like, whatever short nonsense you find off my channel, it's it's like-minded sort of little quippy funny things. But my videos average about, they're about three minutes long each, which for some of you guys that make computers or tear things down and things like that, or um, have a full fancy dress extravaganza on show it's you're doing your sort of 10 15 minute videos so for me to get 11 hours off a dozen four minute videos it's it's quite successful for me i'd the sort of integers that i wanted to throw out to you guys is that um i know matt you said your channel's a couple of years old now uh my youtube channel has been sat there since 2006 um so i'm i'm like granddad youtube (laughs) i think at this point uh but I think I've only got about 90 videos. Don't even think I've got that, to be honest. So um, it would have to be, does YouTube ignore smaller channels that are old just because it thinks they're not going to push the content out or they're just past it now? So looking at this, getting this new generation of talent or whatever you want to call them, content creators, am I past it? Uh, Is it purely down to I don't make content, so why should it push me? Fully hands up. I've not made anything for a long, long time. Last video I made was for Big Red Arrow, which, you know, it's fine, whatever. Got more views than potentially I would have got on my channel in the first week anyway, and this is off a brand new channel. So that sort of argument sort of explains itself, doesn't it, that the, the new channels are getting a bit more traction than, say, my little old channel. Will that many people watch my video on Big Red Arrow that will watch it on my channel? I've got a core sort of hardcore audience of about 200 people anyway they'll watch me pooing into a bucket they'll still still watch it and like it and tick it and whatever not not bothered at all they will still watch it they'll still leave a comment what else knockers will say oh that was lovely um it's for me it's, it's it's an age thing it's a not concurrently putting videos out like every week i don't know if you guys have got schedules or whatever you stick to i don't i just do whatever i feel like whenever i feel like it um if i'm in the mood to make a video over a weekend i'll make a video that's it so i think it's part and parcel a time thing if you're constantly putting out content there's more of a chance of you getting recognized or pushed or whatever you want to call it which for me it's not the case and i don't see a sort of return on me sitting on my thumbs, which obviously I'm not because my channel's sort of tailed off. I was going to actually um, point out that uh, uh, I, I did go through and have a look when every or how long ago everybody released their first video. Uh, and um, old school Jim uh, was seven years ago, but he's... Um, on he's my, on he... that channel, on my personal channel, it was 2008, actually. Oh, okay. But well, all right. Uh, but uh, Super Jim is 11 years ago. That's <laughs> his first content. So, yeah, hats off to you. But sticking I've around got all this. All the stuff that's just unlisted now. Um, that's just <laughs> really. Order. Yeah, no, but pretty much it was just old. Um... Billy, I've got a question. Go on. When, when did you uh, start observing this phenomenon of, um, of increased views across smaller channels? Has it been a month, three months? How long do you think it's been? Are you asking? Uh, I'm asking you. 
Me, um, this has been going on for I would say two or three months now. Okay, um, curious, um, for uh, John and Jim Leonard, have you guys noticed a, a, a downtick or an uptick in the last two to three months? Not really, I mean, I there's always a bit of a seasonal dip in my numbers around autumn and the end of summer because you know people are busy they've got other things to do than watch youtube videos so my intent are not fair as well during that period and then somewhere around christmas and into new year they start to go up again so i've not really noticed any if, if anything has done better than it has done in other autumn dips but yeah i've not really noticed any impact except for the feed when i'm watching youtube is now a little bit more interesting than it was before uh, hmm. I think that's probably why they do it, because if you spoon feed the same thing all the time, your viewers are going to get bored. So shake it up a little bit, show you different people in the same sort of content niche, and then it keeps the viewer a lot more engaged and interesting. So I think it's great for small channels, but as a viewer, absolutely loving it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And how about you, Jim? Um, my channel is very atypical. Um, like Super Jim, I only publish between one and four times a year due to the fact that I am spread way too thin across everything that I'm doing. Um, the Also, uh, I have a tentpole series of videos on how to digitize VGS to digital. And I always get a big upswing in October and November because... People are going to be going to family gatherings for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and they're all like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I digitized my old VHS home, home movies? So, unfortunately, uh, I mean, that's that contributes almost nothing to the Big Red Arrow Club in general, but I do see an upswing, um, and it's seasonal. It's possible that that also affects my prior videos. However, if they're coming to my channel specifically for the digitizing video advice, probably not that interested in vintage computing. So that's okay. that's another thing, unfortunately, that I, I struggle with on my channel. I did the digitizing video thing as a um, uh, as a as help advice, uh, constantly not reiterating the same advice to all of my friends. This is how you do it, and then of course how to transfer VHS to digital turns out to be, by accident, uh, a very common Google SEO search. That could be a uh, subject for a whole other video, That's also uh, a subject solar for a whole and other VHS video. digitizing. Right. And so, made so, a note. <laughs> uh, so just to wrap up briefly, I do, I do see seasonal changes, um, but because I'm sort of this strange, weird split hybrid channel, um, I can't say if that is helpful to a smaller channel or not i just want briefly wanted to say something uh, that i think super jim touched on that um he said it was about two or three months ago and that is actually when i believe i saw the announcement that they were going to be adjusting the algorithm also i think it's interesting that um i don't know but it would be an interesting data point do newly created channels get more push so i think that's an interesting thing to think about would it be worth mm. doing a video of yeah the uh, i've the... just started a new channel um, let's see if I can beat my old one, sort of thumbnail or description or whatever. Okay. Yeah, so the reason I was asking, and I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get to you, Matt, real, real quick, is is I'm trying to bound what YouTube considers to be a small channel. John has, Retrobytes has the largest amongst us. Um, Jim and I are around the same size. Um, and so I'm just curious where where that bump is happening. Yeah. I I um I approach this in a, in a different way, um, and I'm glad you did bring that up because it does give us interesting data. Because I consider all of us, even John, to be small. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> on, on the YouTube. scale of YouTube, 
still yeah. pretty. <laughs> uh, and I think that the uh, the forces at work here will probably affect all of us in maybe not to the same extent. You're probably going to see it more on uh, some of the you know sub 10k channels like myself. Um, uh, it's going to make more of a difference, but uh, and even more so if, as you go down the scale. Um, Timberwolf has a question. Uh, yeah, it's more of an addition thing uh, that Jim was talking about with having a video on your channel, which just like ha- drives an immen- immense amount of traffic. And for me, it's very early on in the channel. I did a open TTD t- tutorial, and that has been like consistently about a half of all my traffic. And you know, it it regularly tops the views. And that's interesting, but I've never looked at the seasonality of it. And I have a feeling that there should be seasonality to it. So when, uh, like, Yogscast do their Jingle Jam and they do Open TTD, I'm kind of like, surely that may increase like demand for tutorials and things. Mm. Uh, but it's been it's been interesting that for me, like when I first did that, and I had a very sort of fledgling. This is a kind of documentary and whatever channel. People would come watch the tutorial, kind of just bounce off. They'd be like, great you taught me how to play a game. I'm happy with that. Off I go. As I built up more of what the channel is now, I found that people would come to the tutorial and they would watch like one or two other videos and they would start to subscribe. So it's kind of fascinated me how that thing, which I originally thought of as a, this is just like an, almost a millstone that I, I can't escape because people are coming here for this and bouncing has become a, you no, know, people are coming here and they're seeing like, hey, I get this. I get that this is part of just one thing that you do. I think this, I call these uh, our gateway videos because um, it's the it's the video that um, when I go to a, a new YouTube channel to me, I'll look at their homepage. I'll open up the videos section and I'll sort it by popular uh, to find their most popular video because I want to see what everybody else finds interesting about them. And it's not always representative. And I've, uh, I'm pretty sure you know, most of us here have had a video that's been at the top of that pile that we've had to get rid of. I certainly have. Um, and it, I, I, know, I know anecdotally that um, many other people in the uh, Big Red Arrow Club have had that same problem. And it's, it can actually be a bit of a, an anchor to your channel. Um, uh, look at Reese. Reese is a good example with his solo videos. So. Yeah, it can it can be a problem, and YouTube doesn't always get it right. Um, okay, I think we should um, I think we should move on to the next question, and I'm going to ask for both. Oh no, not not uh, Super Jim because he's just disappeared off my screen. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask for who did we did Matt and John last time? So Timberwolf and Snorkers this time. What are your numbers? Seven um, and seven is twelve. All right. So the uh, the question is niche. Niche and a niche, should you target wider audiences? So uh, YouTube, uh, it's it's uh, it's not really kind to small niches like us. We're not exactly um, front page of the the YouTube homepage all of the time. Should um, should we be aiming for wider audiences? Is this something that uh, that we should be aspiring to? Jim, what do you think? I think it is answered completely by your motivation for why you are doing videos. If you are doing videos for yourself, for fun, because you enjoy going back and rewatching what you've done, something I'm guilty of with a couple of mine. I did a video on shrink wrap of all things, and I still watch it myself about <laughs> once a year. 
um, then you absolutely should niche down, uh, is the strange colloquial term people are using, um, because you are likely creating content that doesn't exist somewhere else. You're having a fun time doing it, uh, it and it can lead to uh, further developments in your channel. For example, if you love it so much, you're doing it once a week, that can help with channel growth. If you are creating content that exists nowhere else, you will benefit from the search, uh, you know, from the, from people searching for that content. If you are creating YouTube content to get rich, you should not, because as I, and, and I can speak to this with my, my accidental successful, how to digitize VHS. If you, uh, want to get rich, then you should be as general as possible and you should try to create videos that satisfy the most common search terms um, so that you'll get content that way. You may not, you know, it, at that point it's a business and it's not very fun and I don't think that's why any of us are in it uh, specifically, but why you create videos I think answers the question directly, should you niche down or should you be more general? My instinct here is to go to snorkers, but I'm uh, I'm actually going to go to um, John next um, because I think that you are, are very good at uh, to your channel is very good at appealing to a wider audience uh, almost accidentally because it just has um, it's I don't know how to how to say this without being too condescending but um, <laughs> you're um, you're very information heavy. But you do it in, a, in a, a very entertaining way. Um, so are you trying to, you know, I mean, I, are we going to see John in a hot tub is what I'm asking. <laughs> no, I mean, weirdly, I'm trying to be a niche within a niche. I am a computer science textbook set into 20s jazz music. It's, <laughs> it should not appeal to people. It, it really shouldn't, unless you're super nerdy and into the weird thing I'm nerding out about this month. But. Yeah, some, somehow it's it, it's got bigger than I expected. I mean, more than five people watched, so that that, that was nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I was trying to get more and more nerdy because I noticed a lot of the retro channels are more about gaming and less about the machines. And who else does you know a video about token ring or scuzzy? It's not the, these are not the topics people normally choose, and they sure as heck aren't what people are searching for. But yeah, it's. Yeah, so I feel like a niche within in the niche of even retro, but weirdly, yeah, it's become oddly appealing to people. Apparently, um, I, it, that freaks me out a tiny little bit. <laughs> I must, must admit. I mean, I I got recognised like once or twice in the real world, and I'm not even in my videos. I, <laughs> that, that's how much that's a thing I wanted to avoid, and yet. Yeah, randomly, like once or twice, it has actually happened. So I, I was doing something at a folk festival, and a woman came up, and well, the way she phrased it was the "I sleep with you every night," and what she meant to say is she falls asleep <laughs> listening to my videos each night because she finds them weirdly relaxing. She's not into retro even slightly. Her ex-boyfriend was, and he's gone, but the videos have somehow remained as the way she gets to sleep each evening and she's got really going to be utterly freaked out about me talking about that now that's <laughs> that's really amazing uh timberwolf yeah so this is the thing that for me there's when you're really like a very small channel there's a tremendous power to search and when you really sort of niche down into these tiny things they're often like for me i have a 
fair number of some of my most successful videos are there because when you search for that term, this is the only, like what I'd call mm. a sort of at least medium quality documentary video on this thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, you get the, uh, I think there's one which has done really quite well, which is just me wandering around London going, how does this compare to Midtown Madness 2? And <laughs> when you search for Midtown Madness 2, that is possibly the only Midtown 2 video that someone has gone. I'm going to kind of do something with this. I'm going to kind of do something odd. So I think for small videos, and Jim's absolutely right, once you get large, you have to accept that there's, there's a mainstream audience and there's things that could be interested in. When you're small, your challenge is discovery. And so having that thing where people search for this and they're like, oh, someone's done a like, fairly, like they've put a lot of effort into doing something about this one aspect of this thing, that will get you views. But almost all of my views come from this kind of back catalogue. People were searching for sort of Midtown Madness or Duke Nukem 3D or something else. And they find, they go, oh, hey, the, yeah, this, this, this guy's done this, like, one video about it. And they've chosen a sort of a weird spin on it. Like, they've looked at a mod scene or they've, looked, they've gone and compared the map to real life or they've done something like that. So hey, there's, there's definitely an elbow when niching down. It's like, that's bad for your channel. But I think at the very small sides, it actually works. Like one of the things which really surprised me was with my channel is I will occasionally do things where I'll go and find like an old Cubasic game I've written. And that is like, that's just incredible niche because there's about 15 people in the world that know of this game before I've made the video about it. And yet people will watch it. And one thing that I found interesting from people watching it was a comment that I would get on that is people said, this is something that I had no interest in, but you made this fun. So I watched it and yeah. So, so niching down, like, I think for a small channel actually is quite useful because it gives you a sort of a uniqueness. It gives you something that nobody else is doing this. And so when people search for it, when they see it in their, their feed, they're not going, oh, I've got a hundred videos like this. They're going, I've got one video like this. Yeah, I think uh, the power of the niche is actually something that actually works for us uh, as well as against us. Um, Jim, uh, Tricks to Jim, um, did you have something to say? Oh, just briefly, um, I've been noticing, I mean, this is sort of a, Timberwolf just touched on this, that this is uh, kind of a trend where uh, that and John's videos, and, and I also liken this to David Murray, to the 8-Bit Guys videos, it's tech stuff you heard about when you were young and always wanted to know how it worked. And mm -hmm. that seems to be a, a good a good in for discovery. David's channel is like half that for the most part. You know, how did old school joysticks work? How did you know that kind of thing? Oh yeah, I always wondered how how did old joysticks work. So anyway, that's all. I just there's a there's a I think there's a trend there for for discovery. Mm, that's nice, Snorkers. What, what you so got? I think as 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 Trix has said, if you want to make money, don't do niche, and certainly don't do what I do, which is type in games. Um, my my channel could be actually be really cheap because most of the books are available as PDFs and I could use a free ZX Spectrum emulator. Well, I don't do it that way. Um, what I like to try and do with my stuff is it started out, you'd had these games. I didn't even type them in. You download the games, you play them, and that, I commented on that was it. Then I said, okay. Then I started, then some of the games didn't quite work. And then you start fixing them a bit and you get a bit more into that. And then you think... Okay, I need to describe the backstory to this game. I'll do it over. It's loading. Oh, now it's loaded too quickly. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, it might be easier to just dress up 
as some wizard and just <laughs> act it out. And, sort of, and then before you know it, you're basically doing the triumphal march Maeda in your dining room as a whole parade of Egyptians or something. And some of the stuff I've done, it's games I ha- liked as a kid, but didn't know much about or couldn't get very far with. So one of them was, it turned out to be a very stalker's video, was Software House. It's a game where you running a software house in this, on the ZX Spectrum. And I played through it, talked talk the way through the game. And at the end of the game, it sort of crashed to basic. I thought, oh, oh, the game's written in actual basic. Okay, let's let's have a look at it. And there were some things that didn't quite work. And I found, and I found out, okay, I can make some small changes. Here's how the game works and dive into it. And that's actually found some viewers who wanted to look for this base specific game. There's another game I had called Into Africa, which I had on a cover tape in 1991, never got very far with it, I thought, right, someone must have, one, have, have this on YouTube, tell you what to do. No, no one does. Right, okay, then I'll spend several weeks playing this game, making notes, building an entire map of the whole thing to find out it's all right, but I want to know what, what you're meant to do. How do you win? Can you win? What actually, what, what you're meant to do? And then that is a niche within a niche. My current video is on a game available by mail order only in 1992, of which five people bought. <laughs> I've written. I've written the only surviving manual for this. So I think um, in in your case, uh, and in actually in in all of our cases, the the the, the core of our channel is uh, if you get if you get viewers that uh, that appeals to, they're going to be your core viewers. They're going to be with you for life. So yeah, there's there's always that to uh, to hang on to. Um, Super Jim, I think you're the only one who hasn't spoken on this so far uh, I think and that... you are pretty niche oh sorry yes uh well i think that's that's the thing is like snorker said a niche within a niche that's pretty much where i sit is my stuff is i played like him i played this game when i was six seven had had the time hello had the time of my life with it um but how do i explain that story to someone who's never heard of it never played it never done it never done how i saw it for example sort of thing but that going back to that niche within a niche, you, you're essentially like the smaller channels is trying to sort of Google whack yourself. Can I be the only person on YouTube with that piece of content about that particular thing, which is so difficult to do because mm. let's be honest, the, there is nothing left out there that is wholly wholesale original, unless you're the creator of a new computer or a new system or a new something. I don't think there's that much of a case you can be original and you've got a new twist on an, on an idea that already exists and find originality that way and i'm sure someone's going to correct me if i'm wrong and go i've got this this video that's amazingly original but one of my because not hugely popular sort of channel is um i've got a mega engine which is a pc works thing it's basically a raspi with a, a mega cd soldered to it um there's only a couple of hundred of those that exist that i'm aware of um I don't understand how Linux works. I like to play games. I'm an idiot. Let's make a video on on how that sort of works or how it doesn't or my first sort of feelings about it. Um, That's a really popular video, which is one of my more sort of successful ones. And it's not something I'd normally do. Normally, it'd just be me playing an old game, talking about an old game and my sort of feelings or memories or telling a story or sharing an anecdote, something like that. So I think finding that little bit of passion is the thing that I personally sort of strive for. I don't want to be generalized and make sniper wolf content or whatever is 
I want to tell stories that I'm sort of fond of, I'm passionate about, I enjoy. But at the cost of that, it's diminishing returns on, I've only got a sort of core audience of sort of hardcore fans, if you'll call them that, that want to hear my stories, my thing, my sort of take on, on it. Whereas some of my more popular stuff is me being sort of salty and a bit sassmouthy about something, someone particular, some group, like people who grade games, things like that. Um that gets more hits than me talking about an old Commodore game that no one gives a, a monkeys about except for me. Oh, we've got two two Matts putting their hands up. So, uh, Matt D. Yeah, so in in the niche of, of retro and vintage, I'm pretty general. I don't, I'm not really niche within a niche. I sort of do general stuff, except once in a while. Um, and I found that the things that are very niche don't perform nearly as well, um, at least not immediately. They They... They aren't things that people are searching for, so they may appeal to people when they pop up and they're interesting and they've never heard of them before. But um, some of the things I do um, that are very general tend to perform better. So I'm trying to make things that the the search will return as as a top result. Like um, there's a million Commodore 64 videos out there. They're, it's so general within this niche that that it's hard to 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 be near the top of the search. So, you know, I've, I've tried to make things that are like, you know, here's the getting started guide 2023. It encompasses everything you need to know this year. And, and I'm hoping by doing stuff like that, that within, you know, the general niche that it kind of floats to the top, but the stuff that I've really poured my heart and soul into that were very niche, niche things, they never perform nearly as well. Nobody is, is searching for the history of rip script. They just aren't. And so, you know, uh, basically like what Jim said at the very beginning, um, do what you want to do, really do what your passion, you know, make a video about whatever, whatever at the moment you feel like making the video about. And, uh, you know, that's really the heartbreaking thing about this platform because your rip script and your, how we subtitled laser discs back in the day, the fan subs. I mean, it's obvious yeah. you're very passionate about it. I think there's some of your finest work and yet, unfortunately I, the views don't reflect that effort. So you really do have to, uh, be all in on your passion for the material and success. And you have to just simply accept that success is going to take a couple of more years than it would for, for other creators. Also, um, yeah. with, you know, with that in mind, with your, especially your fan sub video and other videos that especially, um, people like Jim and, and John, uh, are making, um, it, it, you're, um, you're recording our history. Um, that's probably not in too many other places and yeah no one's done it and it's it's there as an artifact forever it may have a longer mm. tail over time but it has to be said someone has to yeah. say it now before that's it's my forgotten. focus yeah, as well so that's that's really the main focus of my channel what i want to do yeah timberwolf what did you want yeah, to say because Tim, so jim you made a very good point i think on our, our discussion channel about pc gaming and there's a few things that i've done which are very much sort of passion projects in terms of pc gaming because once you get kind of pre-1988 interest drops off rapidly and there's a whole world of the pc which is fascinating beyond that like early dos all of the like pc junior stuff uh, all of the booter games things like that and i certainly have things that i've done uh like a, a very weird shareware game called neosa and uh, there's probably like only about a few hundred people in the world who played that when it was new but again as matt says you know it's it's history that if you don't document it it's going to disappear Mm. Uh, he's like Lewis Software's PCRR from 1984 and that's the thing that I remember playing and I like 
there's there was nothing about that and that still to this day for me is that i think like 300 400 views which is very very low for a video that old on my channel but i kind of it's still it's that passion of getting it out there feeling that hey you know someone's going to document this and even go back like pre-pc one thing that i did which sort of briefly obsessed me was the one of the very first games uh space travel 1969 on unix platforms was everybody who mentioned that would show this one screenshot from wikipedia and i'd look at that one screenshot and go that that doesn't look right that doesn't look like a game that doesn't make sense and i became obsessed with running this thing so finding a 60s mainframe emulator then patching it so that it could emulate the specific piece of graphics hardware that space travel was supposed to run on and then getting space travel compiled and working on this like 19 pre very very early sort of unix x system and basically getting it running and going i'm really enjoying this like this this is now i'm just having a great time and this was way early in my career as youtuber so i was not very good at packaging like my thoughts on this of how to make this entertaining but i just have like 10 minutes of me just going wow this is lovely <laughs> i just love this fact that i found this game from 69 and it's just really enjoyable to play and this is a like a probably a unique experience for someone of my age who was born well after that game was programmed to actually be playing it fabulous right i think we should move on to the uh the next subject so i'm going to ask for uh the two gyms i think oh Who for numbers? numbers yep uh i chose a nibble so four Ooh, four two. I can't um, see what you're how many fingers you're holding up, uh Super four. Jim, because you're um four. Okay, thank oh you. My. Jim's uh, like fours. Jim's like fours. So oh, I like this one. <laughs> this is a great one. Clickbait. Is it good? <laughs> is it bad? Let's talk about the murky world of making people want to watch your video. Um, actually, I'm going to go back to um, Retrobytes, John B. Johnny Retrobytes. Um, yeah. <laughs> who'd, now, one of your um, uh, best thumbnails, in my opinion, is the one that has flamethrowers on a beach in Cornwall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so don't tell me you don't do clickbait. Uh, but let's, first Wor of all, let's worst define. Worst video ever performed. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, let's define clickbait because um, it's it's a it's kind of a loose term. Uh, clickbait is bandied around as the term for something that is bad in that it doesn't deliver on the promise. But let's let's um, assume that it's not that. It's it's actually um, a thumbnail or or an image that does deliver on the promise, but uses the techniques that some people find distasteful. Um, and one of them is actually what our club is named after. The Big Red Arrow is, uh, is a, a classic clickbait thumbnail trick. Um, things like uh, using drop shadows on everything and, and stroke outlines, that, that kind of thing. Is, is, it, um, is that kind of... Let, we'll come back on to the, uh, the bad clickbait, but is... Is our acceptable level of clickbait, is it a good thing or a bad thing? And I'm going to actually go to Super Jim Tendo first because I know he'll have an opinion on this. Why would you? I've got, yeah, I hate it, the whole thing. No, um, it's, 
I'm sure there's been studies on the perfect ones, because if you go on the front page, obviously we're all aware, it's the same sort of gawp face and you won't <laughs> want to miss this and all the rest of it. We're all guilty. We've all seen it. Um, I'm especially guilty of posting on Twitter of, I want to say an ironic, but you, you purely do it for attention. Of course we do. You wouldn't be on it otherwise. That's why it's called social media. Um of doing a stupid clickbaity thumbnail with your big stupid head on it and then 17,000 arrows and like, share and subscribe bigger than your actual head. Um, it It's purely there to, it personally aggravates me, but it's I can see it being useful for people growing the channels. It's, it's one of those sort of part and parcel things of if there was a, a package on how to YouTube, it's definitely in there the exact things you mentioned um face stroke outline shadow drop shadow whatever that's that's it for me personally it drives me insane but then some of my videos are purposefully made to incite people to come and click on it anyway i've actually got a playlist called clicky clacky clickbait which is just there for stupid nonsense <laughs> videos that i know people will click on randomly just about what was that what are you doing but the whole point is is having a, a happy little joke at the next person that takes that wholly serious and they really shouldn't again it comes down to do you want to do you want to do youtuber's business do you want to make money off it that's the, the majority nine out of ten have got those exact same thumbnails and that's what they do um i think that's again it comes into that uh how to make a youtube kit it's that's what it is so I knew he would have very strong opinions on this one. <laughs> um, and, and it is something we've uh, discussed in the club at great length over the over the past couple of years that we've uh, existed. Uh, other Jim. Other Jim. Um, I recently struggled with this. Uh, I Because uh, this year, um, I don't remember where I read this, but uh, this year is the first year that discoverability on YouTube has uh, shifted in the scales from uh, searches and SEO to uh, browsing, and meaning people on their phones scrolling around. And, and so unfortunately, you are now optimizing your thumbnail to be approximately, uh, sorry, I guess I'm going to have to use USA measurements here. You know, you, you're optimizing for, for a four inch uh, by three inch, essentially, you know, thumbnail and or screen so that's partially where the stroke comes in and and the drop shadows and and so on also the you have to we've all we know what the best practices are um try to create a thumbnail with emotional content that's why they have people with surprised faces and all this other stuff and i struggled recently in that i wanted to i really wanted to attract new people to the channel and I don't like crapping on one of my favorite platforms, which you may be able to see in the background. It's the PC Junior with the start of my series. And yet I had to concede. And so the giant letters on the thumbnail is doomed to fail, which is unfortunately, it's, it's technically correct. Uh, it's, histori it's, it's historically correct. Um, but I felt like I was almost betraying the subject matter by, by, by stooping to that. Unfortunately, uh, the video has done much better than my other videos, <laughs> and I think that's why. I had, I had, uh, I went back and forth with uh, Michael Brutman of PC Junior Fame, and he was like, "Don't do it," you know, because we both have this love for the system. Um, mm. It's not clickbait. So, so to answer the question directly, <laughs> um, 
there's nothing wrong with clickbait as long as you are following the the intent of clickbait and not the actual rule of not delivering. So there's nothing in that thumbnail and the text in it that is that is not covered in the video, but it does follow the same rules. It's got emotional wording. It's got giant words that are outlined. It's, you know, emotionally charged and the whole thing. So I hate to say it, but I think it is because of 2023's shift that it's now like 55% scrolling or something. That is now what we need to optimize for. Okay, we're in the Jim and Jim show. So other Jim again. Uh, so just just want to confirm, I am only having a joke. Um, you're openly um, defending clickbait in, in that that respect on that yeah. on that video. Yeah. Um, oh, oh yeah. No, it's very unabashed. If you look at that, that, <laughs> that thumbnail is like nothing of the. So the thumbnail does not match any of the other thumbnails that I did, and the other thumbnails used to be a simple picture of the item that I was talking about and a single PC eight bit font with a single word. Like when I talked about the PC speaker, it said beep. You know, when I talk about shrink wrap, it says crinkle. Like I was, I thought that was a funny, creative, you know, if you're browsing through my videos, that would be cute. Unfortunately, that is not how people will, the majority of how people will be introduced to your channel. And I hate to say it, but I'm now also giving some slight thought to going back and changing all of those thumbnails to be of the clickbait style but being very careful to not actually make them true clickbait, which would depict something that isn't in the video. Okay, I'll come to you in a second, Snorkus. Um, this is uh, this is something that um, I've seen as as I said, we started the Big Red Arrow Club a couple of years ago, and just the first few of us that got together, we um, one of the biggest impacts it had on me um, was in the thumbnail department with rose tinted yep. spectrum especially being a master of the thumbnail he's um uh he, he's he's punching well below his weight he he really needs you know youtube needs to wake up as far as i'm concerned and and uh and get hold of his channel and launch it because he he, he really does everything right including thumbnails and um yeah so as everybody that joins the big red arrow club we really really try hard to share the wealth and um, spread around all this knowledge that we've gained and experience that we've gained in a short amount of time in the uh, the most efficient way. And the best way that we found is immediately with thumbnails. And we have a, a, a very definitive set of rules that um, you don't have to follow the rules, but they're, they're, they're there and they work. It really does work. If you... Well, I mean, we're going to get a a B testing thumbnail soon, hopefully, from uh from YouTube. So we'll be able to actually test this. Um, but I know for a fact that the um the the difference it's made when new members have joined the Big Red Arrow Club, changed their thumbnails and gone back through their back catalogue and changed their old thumbnails as well. I know um, Matt D has done that. Um, but yeah, the difference it's made has been staggering. Snorkers, what can I do for you? So, so when I started, I was was doing weekly videos, and I upload them Thursday evening, and I just get the damn thing finished. It's half past ten at night. Work the next morning. I'm not doing a thumbnail. I pick one of the three thumbnails YouTube suggested, but also 
I didn't choose the most if if I had to do some dressing up stuff, I wouldn't choose one of those as a thumbnail. I thought no, that that'd be a reward for people who do watch. So it's us choosing a more boring thumbnail, which complete then of course no one watches because it looks boring. And the videos aren't you know, most of the games aren't that graphically enticing for that era. And then I realised actually I am dressing up in various things, so I can actually put that in the thumbnail because I I've not you know I've not got um woman with large breasts I've stolen the internet who's not in this video no no she is in the video she's me with balloons <laughs> but she's in the video um, and it, it draws the eye and you can try and get the idea of what this game is like because you haven't played this game most people haven't played most of the games I've covered but you get an idea of what it's like to play it you get an idea of the emotion of playing it or the, the imagination of playing it rather than what you actually get was very small pixels moving around the screen you try and get the the emotion of this is what it's like to play these games because that's what in your head you were doing. You're 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 flying a hypersonic bomber, dropping bombs on robots, not selecting the number of asterisks with the um l- the longest line sort of thing. You're right. <laughs> so uh, you don't want to lie, but you have to not lure people in and say, look, this thing you might find interesting. Have a, have a go, have a look. And also, I put chapters in before chapters are a thing. I was putting timestamps on my own videos. So if you just wanted, I want the dressing up bits, mate. You can skip to the bits you cared about, just as a courtesy, because I don't mind. But, you know, watch what you want. But I thought it seemed seemed fairer. Right. um, I know that John B wanted to say something uh, before he he ducked out. And I'll just point out that uh, John and uh, Timberwolf, Matt, are both muted. John. I uh, didn't want the sound of my chair moving around. (laughs) But... (laughs) Oh, it's actually something similar to what uh, what I was Nokas was saying. I personally, I don't mind if a video tries to catch your eye a little. A thumbnail tries to catch your eye a little bit. That's sort of the idea of it. As long as the thumbnail delivers on the the video delivers on the promise of the thumbnail. You know, if you hmm. do a I don't know, a thumbnail with flamethrowers on a beach, the better be at some point flamethrowers <laughs> on a beach, and you know, a reason to have flamethrowers on a beach. Yeah, it's got to be related to what the video is about. And as long as that's true, I feel like, you know, that's okay. It's where you get thumbnails that maybe suggest things that the video doesn't deliver on or merely touches on tangentially. You know, you feel like you've been fooled into watching a video rather than, you know, oh, I'm getting the return on the time I expected when I put in this as a viewer. You know, when I clicked, I expected to see a thing, but, you know, the thing was delivered. Absolutely. Matt. So, yeah, we needed a better term than calling yes. it clickbait because clickbait clearly is something that doesn't deliver. And these types of thumbnails we're talking about are ones that, um, you know, look at human nature and psychology and, and try to to optimize what you're doing for that. Now, true, true clickbait, you will be punished by the algorithm for because people will watch yep. it for 30 seconds mm-hmm. and click away because it doesn't deliver. And then your channel and that video will will fall down in ranking. So, you know, in terms of true clickbait, that's that's unequivocally bad. But the things we're talking about here, um, you know, the the strokes and drop shadows and big red arrows and you know surprised face, um, I've been loath to do some of that stuff. I've up till my most recent video, I've never put my face on one at all. But you know, psychologically, it works. It's what gets people to to you know relate and to to click on it and uh, a b testing can't come fast enough because i really want to know what that difference 
is going to be. I don't want to put my face on thumbnails, but if it means the difference of of, of 50% more views, I'm totally going to do it, even if I hate the idea of it. So, you know, I can't wait for that that to come along for the rest of us. I don't even want my face in my videos, never learned a thumbnail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. I I try to keep my my face to about 10 seconds, 20 seconds in the video at the most, you know. All right, Super Jim, um, and then we'll wrap up. Oh, yeah, lost quick him. one for Matt. Uh, if you don't want your face in your videos, I've got a whole uh, folder full of my own face pretending to do it for you. Just say the word, buddy. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to go the VTuber route. I'm just going to get a 3D model in Unity and, and rig up like a Xbox like Connect <laughs> or something. And uh, yeah, it'll be fine. There's, there's one that I did with face where I actually think it helped, which was uh, one of the Midtown Madness videos. And it was, it's just the face of someone trying to download a 20 year old mod, uh, <laughs> which just so much was summed it up. It's, it's because I, I'm like quite a sort of without the AB testing, still trying to figure out as much as I can, like what works. And I found for like what I do, the face, like, if you're putting a face on there just for the point of putting a face, it doesn't make a difference. It, it still has to tell a story. Mm. I'm very much, and people in Red Arrow Club will know this, of the, I want people to see a thumbnail and to ask a question and to go, this video will answer that question for me. And there's a, there's a whole art in, is this a question someone cares about? And it can be like so tangential, the question. Like one of my most successful ones is a thumbnail was Derail Valley, which just was this game deserves a sandwich. And it's I did that completely the wrong way because I did it video first and then thumbnail, which is not the way that people say you're supposed to do it. But it was that sort of where people what in what on earth like how? How? Why why is that a conclusion that you should draw from a train simulator game? And I think that actually really worked in drawing people to it because they went, I want I want to know that question and they kind of get into it. And it delivers, you know, it delivers on that. It's it's like it's very it's stating a clear thing about personality on that. Uh, I have a thing as well with the thumbnails, which is something that friends of mine talked about. This again, I think this is a tiny channel mentality. So I think if you're if you're a huge channel, you don't have to care about this. But if you're small and you have this sort of core set of viewers, one thing that said to me quite a lot was early on was I don't uh, early on people went. Yeah, if I get recommended your videos, I will watch them, but I don't always see them in the feed. Yeah. And I went towards a very clear visual identity and having friends of mine say, yeah, I recognize if I see something in the feed, I know it's one of yours because mm. it, you've got the, uh, for me, it's uh, like I use a particular typeface, Rockwell. Uh, there's usually some like level of design coherency. And so, a big wolf. Try... And, and a big wolf. And a big wolf, yeah, which was a sort of mood. I actually started using the Timberwolf logo now as a thing to just remind me this is where the time counter is going to come up on the thumbnail because the I always used to put things down there and then see it on a small screen and go, like, half your text has been obliterated by the length counter. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to actually... Um, I've actually ring-fenced the, uh, or reserved the dark art of thumbnails is number one on the list. So it is something we're going to come back to. And I think it's probably going to be a perennial perennial uh, subject for us because um, it's something that is fundamental to some of the stuff that we do uh, and incredibly important as well. Um, 
you know, some people don't put enough yeah, importance for, into it. For people who don't even know this, and, and there are people on YouTube who don't know this, if you change your thumbnail in, in you know, the first 24 hours, 48 hours, you can see a huge change in, in traffic. It is it is almost immediate. It is measurable. And, and, it, and we get it these is real. stats. We get something called click-through rate, which uh, shows us exactly the percentage of people that see our thumbnail and how many will actually click on it. Um, so we know, uh, and we know immediately when a thumbnail is or a, a video is not performing well because it has a thumbnail that's not doing the job. Um, right, I think we should wrap up now because we are just over the hour, and um, I I hope everybody found that info informative and um, interesting. And if, uh, despite our terrible opinions, you wish to see more of what we actually do. You can find links to all of our channels in the description. Uh, if you have suggestions for future topics we might discuss, please let us know by dropping them into a comment or find us one of us on social media. Speaking of which, uh, panelists, where can people find you on the internet? So I'm going to start with Matt D. Retrobits TV on YouTube. Jim Leonard. The Old School PC on YouTube. Use a K, O-L-D-S-K-O-O-L. Uh, Timberwolf. So you find me at uh, Timberwolf K on YouTube. Uh, you also find Timberwolf.club as my website where most other things have links to. So. Uh, what host Norkers? I'm what host Norkers on YouTube and also on Twitch where I occasionally do streams and I remember. And not in a hot tub. Uh, Super Jim Tendo? Don't remember what my channel's called. Um, Twitter, that's probably the problem, isn't it, gents? Twitter uh, <laughs> at SJimTendo. <laughs> Actually, Super Jim Tendos is one of the more difficult ones to find if you search on YouTube. But I think, I do believe if you do it all one word, you'll you'll get to his channel. And it's a kind of cartoon confused face. Uh, Retrobytes John. Uh, Retrobytes UK on YouTube. Uh, you can find me. I'm just more fun making it everywhere. So just, um, uh, you can, I've got websites <laughs> and all sorts of things going on. Um, right, thank you for watching. I hope you found it entertaining, interesting, and informative. Or if you used it as a way to drift off to sleep, then uh, what was that noise downstairs? Uh, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.